My name is Alex, and welcome to Paranormal Artist, the podcast where I talk about hauntings and the supernatural. Listener discretion is advised. This audio may not be suitable for children. After years of wanting to visit, you were finally able to book a tour at one of the most haunted locations in the world. Better yet, you were lucky enough to book the overnight paranormal investigation tour. Fuck yeah. It can finally get crossed off the bucket list. You first heard about this location on one of your favorite paranormal shows. And ever since, you wanted to visit Waverly Hills. With all the ghost stories you've heard, you know you're in for the night of a lifetime. On today's adventure, we're going to Waverly Hills Sanatorium, one of the most haunted locations in the world. Open during the TB epidemic, this sanatorium was used to help treat and isolate those that were infected with tuberculosis. Kind of like how when the COVID pandemic was happening, we were all separated and isolating and wearing masks. Basically, it's the same thing, but years before. When I first heard about Waverly Hills Sanatorium, I was watching Ghost Adventures and... For those of you who've been listening, we all know Ghost Adventures is probably one of my favorite paranormal shows ever. And ever since then, I've always wanted to see it for myself. That building is massive. And I feel that it's on my little haunted bucket list, if you will. However, I don't really have much of a reason other than that to go to Kentucky. I don't know much more about that state other than the fact that Waverly Hills Sanatorium is there and I have to see it. So maybe sometime in the near future, I will go over there and I will take some photos and just enjoy my time at Waverly Hills because I deserve it. (laughs) It is what it is. I said it. I'm going to stick with it. Waverly Hills was first opened in 1908, but before we get there, it was first opened or purchased, I should say, by Thomas H. Hayes in 1883, where he simply wanted to have a school for his daughters to go to. And the teacher that he hired for this single-room school was named Lizzie Lee Harris, and the school was named Waverly School because the teacher had this love for these novels called the Waverly Novels. Can't say I've ever heard of them. For those of you who know me, I'm a so into reading that, you know, (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, I have read a couple of novels though, thanks to some of my friends. The school was named Waverly School because of the novels, Waverly novels. The owner, Hayes, also liked the name and thus the name Waverly Hills came to be. Whenever the TB epidemic was becoming a thing, there was a I guess a medical board who decided that they were going to keep that name. And so it just stuck with the property for the rest of its life as a school, facility, hospital, sanatorium, whichever you will. The construction for the building was in 1908 and it opened two years later in 1910. The building was two stories and was only able to hold about 40 to 50 patients at a time. Now, this was before the pandemic really blew up. Before they knew it, there were so many people sick with that that the hospital was just ram-packed. But the hospital itself 
being on its own property, had its own zip code, post office, water treatment, had gardens for fresh fruits, a slaughterhouse, which that's kind of cool. And, you know, there were in-house doctors and nurses, from what I understood. Now, this is a hospital, so it was completely self-sustaining, which is cool. Not for the people that have to be there, but cool in general that really they didn't have to leave the area. The point of them having that was basically to keep everybody isolated and the infected in just a a simple area where it was quiet, they can heal. That's just how they thought that they can cure TB. Now, TB stands for tuberculosis, or it had another name, consumption. And (laughs) I was listening to and that's why we drink. And I remember that M said they thought tuberculosis was, or I'm sorry, they thought consumption was that they had like eaten themselves to death. (laughs) I was like, well, if that ain't some shit I would do. But moving on. (laughs) I love and that's why we drink. That's definitely one of my favorite podcasts. I think they have a nickname for Zach Bagans. They call him Zach Bagel Bites. And I'm here for it. I can't see him the same. He, <laughs> that podcast is just something else. I, I definitely recommend it. If you want to laugh, it's, it's utter chaos. And I'm so glad that I started listening to them. Back to <laughs> what was supposed to be talked about. Tuberculosis, TB, consumption, whatever you know it as, was a highly contagious bacteria. Illness easily spread through coughs, sneezes, even talking, which is fucking insane. The symptoms included a horrible cough for three weeks or more, chest pain, coughing up blood or sputum, which sputum, I think I read, was like the shit deep, deep, deep inside of your lungs. And people would lose weight, have night sweats and chills and fever, obviously. At some point, like I said earlier, the clinic had overcapacity of patients. So it had 140 patients, which is way, way more than what that hospital was able to hold. So what's worse is that at that time, they didn't know that tuberculosis was an airborne thing, meaning that it could spread through the air. Like I said, through coughs and sneezes and talking and pretty much anything. I think I read somewhere that it doesn't spread weirdly through like sharing stuff, but you know, life is weird. So they closed the small, tiny little hospital in 1924 and they began the construction of Waverly Hills as we know it. Two years later on October 20th, 1926, the hospital opened back up and this time it was able to hold 400 patients and was much, much more modern than what we had at the two-story thing. This time, they were able to have the patients on like a nice balcony area. What was really about, it was more of a hallway. And they were able to like just be in their beds outside, getting some sun, you know, the vitamin D, getting fresh air because it was believed that the fresh air would help heal their lungs while they were fighting this disease. They were out there despite the weather. It did not matter what the weather was, rain, ice, snow, sun, whatever. They were out there getting fresh air. And these windows were just big arches, basically. And they had like a screen on it just to let the air flow. But the hospital also had an opposite side to that. And that side 
was supposedly where the patients who were definitely not going to make it out of the hospital alive were put. I watched a Ghost Adventures episode to kind of like refresh my brain on it. Basically, if you were from the nice sunny side to the side that's more for the terminal, just imagine what you're thinking. That now you have been moved from the nice healing area to the area where you're definitely not going to make it out alive. What do you think that the people were feeling whenever they got moved there? Tragedy? Horrible? Depressed? Who knows? Or were they so out of it that they didn't even know? You know how some people can just slip away into a coma. It, de- it definitely reminds me of the COVID pandemic we had. I guess the pandemic's technically over, but you know, COVID is still around very much, and so is tuberculosis. This place was considered much more modern than the two-story building that they originally had. So the treatments that were had for this disease, this bacteria, would be an absolute barbaric treatment in today's day and age, being as we have advanced in technology and medicine so much. Tuberculosis epidemic happened. (laughs) Basically, trigger warning to everybody because it is very graphic. The surgeons would cut and remove the rib cage to expose the lungs to UV light, basically fake sun, because they believed that that would help stop the spread of the bacteria. They would also insert balloons into the lungs of the patients and inflate them, expanding the lungs by force. I'm not sure for what purpose, maybe to help healthier tissue grow. I'm not sure. When I learned about that, I was absolutely horrified. Because just like the skin test alone for tuberculosis that we have today was painful for me. If I was a patient of tuberculosis back then when all that was going on, (laughs) I'd probably just give up. I wouldn't want to live. But that's not the only thing. See, there were multiple experimental types of procedures that were done in order to find a cure or a good treatment for TB. So in 1961, the medicine had advanced enough to where there was no longer really a need to have a sanatorium. So it was closed and reopened in 1962 as a retirement home, uh, a geriatric home. I don't know if That's proper to say, but basically it was for the people who were unable to care for themselves in their older age. And it was finally shut down in 1981 by the state. Now, the property has been handed down through various owners, and one of them, I think in the 90s, was trying to build a giant Jesus statue, which was failed because it was supposed to be like a $8 million project, and he only got like $200,000 for it. It was failed. By 2001, the property had come to ruins. There were people staying, homeless people, squatters, vandalism, and just the elements alone of a building that was not being contained anymore because it was just completely abandoned. Now, however, the building is used for, obviously, paranormal investigations. Now, you have to have a special RSVP to do it. Because now that the building is being restored to its original glory, 
you know, you, you just can't walk up there and be like, hey, I want to investigate. No, you have to make a reservation. If you want a tour reservation, you got to buy tickets and it's pretty cool. I would love to investigate that. I kind of skipped over this big important part back to the construction of the larger hospital. This hospital had probably more than five stories. There was a wing simply for the children. There was the wing for sitting outside and so that they can get the rest and relaxation they needed. There was the part where they would for the terminal patients. And finally, every hospital has one, the morgue. And if you don't know what a morgue is, that's where the deceased are put temporarily to be stored. Next to this morgue was a body chute. The body chute is probably one of the most famous areas in Waverly Hills because it has, it's, it's unique to its own. It is a very long, dark hallway at an angle. I think I saw it was about 500 feet. And the person or people who were deceased would be rolled down this hallway to an area where they could be loaded onto a hearse. And the way, the, the reason they did this was so that the other patients wouldn't freak out at the sight of so many people leaving this, this hospital with sheets body bags, whatever it was that they used to cover up the dead. So it was their discreet way of basically hiding the fact that there were several hundred thousand, and I might be being dramatic, but there was quite a few people in Waverly Hills Sanatorium that died of TB. Like I said, there was a children's wing. That's really sad. The children's wing, the fifth floor, is probably one of the most haunted areas in the hospital. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait on that for a minute. <laughs> Being that the hospital was abandoned for so long, there's so many horrible, stupid, cheesy 666 graffitis all over the place. And I, I don't really understand why people have to do that, but, you know, people are going to be people. Soon after the hospital was abandoned, that's when stories of the paranormal started to rise. See, the hospital was abandoned. People broke onto it. You're going to break onto abandoned property to explore it because who doesn't want to do that? And who, as in me, I want to do that. I can't deny that I haven't done it before, but <laughs> I've definitely would like to have had that opportunity to jump into Waverly Hills and explore it before any purchasing was bought just to have it to myself and go around but you know people trespass all the time on these big abandoned properties and sometimes you get a little bit more than what you bargained for these people came onto the property just expecting to have like a little adventure you know a little fun and they definitely came out with more than what they wanted there have been reports of door slamming lights being turned on when there is definitely no power in the building, at least at that time, footsteps, disembodied voices, basically a little bit of everything. There is a kitchen that you can supposedly smell freshly baked bread. 
which dang that's pretty cool <laughs> but there's also a apparition of a man in a white coat who is also in the kitchen i could not find anything other than that about this apparition that he's just a man in a white coat who's seen from time to time there are spirits of nurses patients children and i know patients and children should be the same category but no they're not because kids dying of anything really is just tragic on its own waverly hill sanatorium is said to be one of the most haunted locations in the united states and the world and for those people who get to enjoy their time at waverly hills i'm so fucking jealous because ever since i saw that episode of ghost adventures i need to go there i have to see it for myself i want to feel the vibe of that place i want to feel like the energy that's inside of it the residual energy the intelligent energy whatever energy is there i want to feel it now i know ghost adventures is questionable at best and right now <laughs> you know ghost adventures is we don't really talk. It, it, it's kind of like Bruno from Encanto. We don't really talk about it. They were credible to me. And they still kind of are, despite like all the controversy going around. I still love Ghost Adventures. I'm not going to stop watching Ghost Adventures over stuff because it's what I like. So basically, there were some encounters that they had. Um, EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon. And if you don't know what that is, let me tell you a little bit. So when people go ghost hunting investigating whichever it is that you prefer to call it people often carry around little voice recorders even even their phones whatever can record and you can ask a question like is there anybody here can you tell me your name how old are you stuff like that you can play it back and sometimes you will hear something that was not heard with your ears at that moment a disembodied voice you know and sometimes very often will you be able to hear it with your own ears and when you do that and it's pitch black i promise you you're gonna shit yourself an evp i find it fascinating because they cannot be heard with our ears these can only be heard on a voice recorder something electronic hence the name electronic voice phenomenon i find them very fascinating i think that i would love to have a voice recorder just anywhere but i don't want to open myself up to any kind of negative energy or negative spirits because things can get attached to you especially if you are emotionally vulnerable or if you're not strong and i'm not saying that you have to be like oh look i'm a brick wall no no i'm not saying that i'm saying that you have to be mentally prepared to go into these locations and to be able to deal with the energy the energy changes the cold spots the hot spots whatever it is that's going on in that moment you have to deal with it because if you are weak if you are letting the spirits know that you're feeling this certain way they can take advantage of you and they can attach to you and things will go straight to hell no pun intended, but they will. So I don't personally want to open myself up for that kind of stuff. 
but I will try it when I get better mentally. That's what people typically will come into an investigation with a a camera with night vision, uh, something infrared, a uh, thermal camera, typically voice recorder, even a Polaroid camera because you can catch stuff. And, and you know, even with your own eyes, you can see stuff. Ghost Adventures caught a whistle that was not heard uh, in person at that moment. They caught a whistle. And according to the guy who they were currently interviewing at that time, whenever they got a whistle, that automatically means like, hey, something big's going to go down. Which, cool that there's a sign, but also no, because how do I know that that wasn't pre-recorded? You know, it's just like, you got to think about this. Like, was it pre-recorded? Or, you know, because there's just a lot of stuff you have to think about. People will fake evidence. And unfortunately, that's what Ghost Adventures has been accused of for quite a few years. I still watch them. Like I said, I love them. So there was a whistle and there was also a voice that can be heard. And they caught several EVPs throughout that night. And I thought that was pretty cool because really and honestly, you don't hear that stuff. And if you decide (laughs) that you're going to go to a really old building and decide to record on your phone and ask some questions and you get a fucking voice back just know you may have gotten evidence of the afterlife and i am pretty sure i've talked about this before there's residual evidence and there's also intelligent the intelligent spirits will answer your questions as if you are talking to somebody not all the time because it takes energy for these spirits to build up in order to speak to us. So while you're doing an EVP session, you have to remember to give space between the questions because it takes time for these spirits to gather up stuff around in order to make their voice heard. And even if they're screaming at you, it'll still sound like a whisper off in the distance sometimes. And like I said, I have not done an EVP session before. I'm not willing to until I myself am better. If you're willing to take the risk and you want to go explore Waverly Hills, paying for the stuff, don't break on the property, please don't do that. Paying for whatever, or if you want to just go anywhere you want and see, hmm, I'm going to try this, try it. But don't open yourself up to something negative. If it has a negative feeling or reputation, don't open yourself up. Don't. Because they will take your energy or they will get attached to you. So now that I've rambled about all that for about five minutes, there was a lot of evidence that was caught on Ghost Adventures that I thought was pretty cool. Like I said, Waverly Hills is one of my favorite episodes. They've caught visual, more. it was more EVP than, phys- than visual. They had this um, this camera that could basically use UV light and see stuff and they caught a full bodied apparition it's hard to see on the video because remember this came out before 2010 things weren't as high quality 4k as they are now so it's a little grainy but it was evidence nonetheless they caught so many evps there's a couple times where you can hear the actual disembodied voices there's a couple screams that are heard and everything just pretty much is upheld to what 
is known at Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And I find that super cool. You can hear the moaning of these people. You could probably even hear their last breath as residual evidence. And as tragic as that sounds, I think that it's fascinating all in one because your energy, their energy is still attached to that building. And it doesn't necessarily mean that their their spirit is still attached. It's just their energy. Because remember, I have talked about it, the stone tape theory. And it's very much a real thing to me. Now, skeptics, I get it. I get it. But to me, personally, I believe that the stone tape theory is 100% true. Granted, the source it came from. So, among some of the other ghostly, spiritual, paranormal activity that happens in Waverly Hills, there is allegedly the apparition of a hearse that appears at the bottom of the death tunnel or body chute. There is a female apparition who supposedly appears with bloody wrists. Trigger warning. Sorry, I should have said that before. Begging for help. There's shadow people. And there is said to be a spirit who is inhuman, probably demonic in nature, who crawls on the walls and ceilings. And whenever he, it, it, because we don't know, whenever it is encountered by those who are investigating Waverly Hills, they get the feeling of dread. And like I said, if it is demonic in nature, negative energy, it's going to give off those vibes. You're going to fucking feel it. There is also the haunting of the body shoot. Now remember, the body shoot has had several thousand deceased people pass through it while Waverly Hill Sanatorium was in operation. They can still be heard. Their voices can still be heard in the death tunnel. And I'm sure that you can see stuff. I'm sure things move on their own. There's poltergeist activity. If the doors are slamming, there's definitely poltergeist activity. So we want to move. It's just a great place to explore. I feel like you would need more than one night to explore Waverly Hills because (laughs) it's a massive property. And if you haven't seen it before, it's just huge. It's huge. Along with some of the spirits, there is the spirit of a little boy. Like I said, any child dying of anything is so tragic on its own that it's just... It's something... It happens to our most innocent souls and it doesn't need to, but that's just the nature of life. No matter how sad it is. And I I feel really bad for anybody. I feel really bad. That sounds like insensitive. But I, I, I have a special place in my heart for people who have lost kids because I'm just so sorry that that happened to you. I really am. From the bottom of my heart, I, I am so sorry that you lost that little piece of you that was making your life kind of crazy. But, you know. And I'm so much older than my brothers, like, I wouldn't know what to do if something happened to them. I I would probably go insane. More insane. 
So among some of the children who resided in Waverly Hills during the tuberculosis epidemic, there was allegedly a child by the name of Timmy. And he was bought there for obvious reasons. He had tuberculosis. He was believed to be about six or seven years old. And unfortunately, he did not make it out of the hospital. He, however, is now one of the most popular ghosts that are said to reside in the facility. He loves to play. Uh, he's, he's a kid. He's a little baby still. He's, he's a little guy. So he loves to play. He likes to play catch with the visitors, the investigators, whoever is currently in there. And apparently if you throw or roll a ball, which is probably his favorite toy, down the hallway, he will roll it back to you. And that is cool. But because there are believers, there's also the skeptics. And the skeptics will say that this is because the floors are uneven. And I'm not saying they're not uneven because obviously I've never been there. But you always got to have the people who are more or less on the opposite side of thinking. Because we have the believers, which I'm one, but I can be skeptic at times. So in a way, I'm torn. Because on one side, we have the spirit of a little boy, which spirits are real. I'll tell you that. They are real. I've seen them myself. Heard them. Whichever you choose. I have witnessed the spirit paranormal activity. And on the other side, things settle over years. Foundation settles. It's possible that the floors are in fact uneven and that does cause the ball to roll back. But does the ball roll back gently or does it have like a force as if somebody is actually throwing the ball, rolling it with a force, like with a force? I don't know the word. Oftentimes, whenever people do visit Waverly Hills, they will bring a ball so that they can possibly gather evidence of the spirit of Timmy. It's very sweet. And I wonder how many balls have been left in Waverly Hills to this little boy who does or doesn't exist. I wonder what else he plays. Like, do people bring more than just a ball for him? Is there anything else that he plays with? I wasn't able to find anything because honestly, the most popular thing is the ball. And even in Ghost Adventures, they brought a ball to experiment to see if the little boy would play with it. There are episodes of Ghost Adventures where they have brought toys and the toys have moved as if something is touching them. Like I said, they have a lot of uh, people who believe they're faking evidence. And some of it is questionable. But I want to add that before all of that, they were pretty legit. They were the most legit guys on TV. And they have brought toys that were obviously scientifically modified so that they can capture the evidence of the spirits around them or ghosts. Basically, what this ball is, is a trigger object. A trigger object is, as it sounds, like something to cause reaction. So, like, since this spirit is a child, why not bring something that children like to play with? And children like to bounce balls, play catch, whatever, if you will. So, as a trigger object, people will bring things like that. Does it help gather evidence of 
the spirit of this little boy? And is it even really the spirit of a little boy, or is it actually something much darker? Because there are actually spirits out there who... I I can't say they're spirits, but there are beings, entities, ghosts, if you will, out there who will (laughs) mimic, imitate the voice of children. And I've brought it up before, but it's almost as if it's, it's like Annabelle the doll. This negative entity was acting as if it was a child to gain access to the lives of the two girls that this doll was presented to. So it's kind of like that. You have to be careful because Timmy, for all we know, can actually be a fucking demon. And when you interact with him, you are basically saying, hey, welcome to my life. Welcome in, come in, come in. We don't want that. You don't want that because shit can hit the fan really hard whenever you let a negative entity into your life. It's kind of like when you let negative people in, they're going to fuck you up. Who's to say that Timmy is actually a spirit there or if he's a negative entity? Who is to say he is not the shadow man in disguise? I personally have not been able to find a single photo of this spirit of Timmy, but there is a lot of evidence of the ball moving. Is it a child? Who knows? But know that the children's wing is on the fifth floor, which leads into the next area of the fifth floor. Another haunted area in the fifth floor is room 502. And in room 502, it's definitely a hot spot for the hospital. It's known, well, let me back up a minute. A hot spot is a place where there is significant activity, notable activity. For example, in this case, room 502 is known to have a lot of supernatural or paranormal activity, even poltergeist activity. I don't know if it's got poltergeist activity, but that's an example that I have. So if you ever if you're not familiar with paranormal and you hear the term hotspot, just know that hotspot means that there is a lot of activity and it's one of the bigger areas in the location that happen to have paranormal activity happening. <laughs> you know, not to be mistaken for the movies, which I'm not gonna lie. I like the movies. I think they're funny. <laughs> that's what a hotspot is. Simple terms. There's a lot of shit happening in that one spot. Trigger warning. There's there's a lot of trigger warnings in this. And um, that's why we put the discretion in the beginning. So in 1928, a pregnant nurse allegedly committed suicide in room 502, 502, if you will, after being rejected by a doctor that she was supposedly sleeping with. Truth be told, that doctor didn't want anything to do with her or the unborn child, so she just decided that it that was it. My life is over, and I'm going to end it all. And another story is that she was actually sleeping with the owner of the hospital and, you know, insert him into the doctor's area. Now, I'm not trying to be insensitive to that because, like I've said before, there are so many people in this world who do care and who will treat you as if you need to be treated. And to get hurt by somebody, trust me, I know, it it fucking sucks. It really fucking sucks. And it hurts like no other pain in your life. 
In fact, um, you can even say it feels like dying, but really it doesn't. It's just heartbreak is so fucking horrible. But that doesn't mean to go and end your life over somebody because that somebody is not worth it. There are so many people in this world that you don't have to do that. And I know it hurts. Trust me, I know I've been there. It hurts so bad. But you have to keep going. Do not let this person be your reason, okay? Do not let your story end here. I promise things will get better. And things are not always going to be like fucking sunshine and rainbows. You know what I mean? Things are going to, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where you just don't want to fucking move. And that's whether or not you've been hurt by somebody. It doesn't matter what you have going on. There's just going to be days where things just feel horrible. You're depressed. You're sad. You're anxious. You've got a lot going on. But there are people out there who care about you. Trust me, I'm still learning. I'm still learning that. Please don't hurt yourself over a person who hurt you. Please don't, because there is so much more to life than that person. Believe me, please believe me. Her spirit is known to walk the hallways of the fifth floor near room 502. Allegedly, in 1932, just a few years later, Another nurse reportedly jumped out of the window of that very room. I was not able to find any actual evidence of either one of these. Their stories have been told throughout the years. Some say that she was pushed out the window, which is possible. I mean, think about this. Everybody is stuck in just a hospital. You can't go anywhere. You're isolated from the rest of the world. They do have days where visitors can come, so family would be able to come and see you. Let's face it, some people get stir-crazy whenever they are stuck in an area. I think they call it cabin fever, but not really cabin fever because you're stuck in a fucking facility. So, as far as that, spirits have reported seeing shapes or silhouettes moving in front of the window where this nurse allegedly jumped. There have been lights that are said to have been on there's no power remember there is no power in this building at the time since they're doing restoration renovations whatever i don't know okay i don't know if there's power in the building so at the time there is no power let's just say there's no power people have seen lights in that room where this nurse allegedly jumped from this window to her death they have heard disembodied voices which we, I went on a whole spiel about that earlier. <laughs> Disembodied voices are insane. And yes, with those types of paranormal activity, you definitely can hear those with your own ears. It's kind of like when I tell the stories of the people who have passed away in my life, with the exception of one, that I've heard their actual voice. Myself and others have heard the actual voices of these people who have passed on into the next life if there indeed is a next life. I believe in it. That's not to say that I'm going to force my beliefs on you. I don't really care if you believe in it or not. But just know that I have heard disembodied voices in my life on more than one occasion. So hearing a disembodied voice, it can be absolutely horrifying, especially, especially if you are in a room by yourself and you know it. And you hear a voice go, hey, off in the distance, 
no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we've all heard it. I've said it so many times. I'm going to go fucking see what it was because I'm too curious to leave it alone. The fifth floor itself is entirely haunted. It's completely, completely full, riddled with paranormal activity. The ghosts of children. I, the ghost isn't the right word. I don't want to use the word ghost. The spirits of children and patients. Shadow figures. Okay. They've been seen roaming the fucking hallways. Shadow figures. Like I said, they can be negative. Some can be demonic, but a shadow figure is literally as it sounds. The shadow of something. Basically, imagine you're sitting down on your couch and you see like a thing pass you by on the corner of your eye, which I'm sure you have. There's no way you haven't. It happens to everybody every now and then. Okay, I can't say everybody because that's being judgmental or like forcey, whatever you want to call it. Some people have experienced that type of thing. When you see that, you're like, what was that? When you see a shadow person, shadow figure, typically it is in the shape of a human form, which that itself is scary. It's just a solid black mass. And sometimes it's not even solid. Sometimes it can just literally be a shadow moving in the distance. Or like, not in the distance. Why am I using that so much? Just a shadow moving. If somebody passes in front of a window, you don't see them. You know, it's nice and sunny. You don't typically see that person passing, but you definitely see their shadow. That is kind of how the shadow figure could be also. So it's either a solid black mass or it's just like a light, a darker area just passing by, like passing by a window. Of course, you know, I have seen shadow figures in my life. And I want to say the house that, just the house that I lived in for most of my life, I would have this crazy, weird, reoccurring dream. I don't believe it was a dream anymore. It was just too fucking weird. But one night, I think I was about, we'll say 15 or 16 years old, I'm just hanging out in my room doing emo shit. I was being my little edgy self in my room. I saw a whole shadow on the curtain in my room. Now, mind you, I have all my lights on. I have my, my ceiling fan light on, whatever. I have lights on. There shouldn't be like a shadow that dark or there should be. I'm not, li listen, I don't know. Okay. It's been well over 10 years since that happened. Okay. It's been about 15 years since this. So my memory might be a little fuzzy, but I definitely remember most of it. I had the lights on. I was just hanging out, listening to Evanescence. And, um, I look over to the window and I see a man standing there. Now, at the time, I thought that was on the outside of the window. So I run out and I'm like, dad, dad, there's somebody outside the window. So he goes and looks. But if you think about it, and I've thought about this several times, and each time that I've told that story, it just hits me a little bit more. This was at like 
nine or 10 o'clock at night. There's definitely no sun at that hour. And the light was on. And I'm definitely not tall. (laughs) I'm short. Like, I'm barely five foot one. Five foot two on a good day if I want to stretch it. But I'm not trying to stretch. So I saw this. And I definitely remember that was a fucking shadow of a man. That was terrifying. And later that same night... I felt something jump on my bed. I think I was actually experiencing sleep paralysis, but I I definitely felt something jump on my bed. I woke up because it was not a dream. It was not that weird twitch that you do when you're falling. No, this, this was a real experience. This was a thing. And I'm pretty, like I said, I've said it before. I have insomnia. I've had it my whole life. It's gotten worse with some of the stuff I have to take. I, I definitely remember that I was not 100% asleep yet. I I was still between the REM and whatever the fuck else. Like, I was still very much aware of what was going on around me. And I felt my bed actually move. And it's just terrifying. But that's not the only time that I have experienced some crazy shit like that in that house. So. There were times where, when I was a teenager still, I would just sleep in the living room because after that, I don't really want to be in my room. (laughs) I don't know anybody who would because, you know, back then I was like, I'm I'm still a kid, okay? Like, I'm still a kid and I'm sitting here thinking I'm grown and whatever. But I would have this dream every single time I slept in the living room of this giant person who was almost the same height as the door frame and he would just be st- and yes I will say he because it in fact was a male figure okay I was gonna try to be nice and use they but no this was not a they situation this was definitely a male situation it was just standing there just fucking standing there half the body was behind the door frame and the other half I could see perfectly clear every single time Every time. I would see it every single night. And it had this weird thing that it would do, which led me to believe at that time that I was indeed asleep. It would shake its head violently and the head would change to people that I knew in my life. And as a teenager, as like 15 year old me, that's fucking scary. That is terrifying because there is a huge thing. And needless to say, <laughs> I, st- I still won't sleep with my, my head facing that door frame, that particular door frame in my parents' house. I refuse to. I refuse to because that, that right there was not cool. That was scary and definitely one of the scariest things I have ever experienced in my life. Because it's just crazy. And, and even right now, I'm, I'm, I'm actually scared thinking about it, talking about it. You, you don't really know what to think at that time. You're just, you're just scared. You're stuck there. You can't move because you want to sleep. And it's just like, whoa, did I actually see that? But then when it happens, like literally night after night that you sleep on the couch and it's there, you have to believe, you start to believe that it's a real shadow figure. 
standing there. And I've said before, we've all experienced, except my mom. I love you, mom, but I know you've experienced something. Don't lie. (laughs) We've all experienced something in that house. People who have come over have seen shit in that house. So I believe it's haunted. I've seen a full fucking blown apparition. My, I think it's, I think she's my aunt, actually. She has also seen it, a little boy. The apparition of a little boy. Definitely not a man, not the fucking shadow figure that I always experienced when I was a teenager. No, but a little boy. And I think that even my brothers have experienced seeing this fucking shadow. And I I really don't want to ask them because, you know, they're my little brothers. I don't want to fucking be bringing some shit unto them. Just know that people who have gone in my house, except my mom, have indeed experienced. And I can't say for my youngest brother. I don't know if he has. We've all seen and experienced something in that house. And definitely that thing, that shadow that stood in the doorway has got me all kinds of fucked up still. It's it's truly terrifying. And I like to say that it adds on to my curiosity about the paranormal and supernatural. But I've come to realize that I don't want to have that. And, you know, as an adult, 15 years later, 16 years later, whatever the age actually is, I haven't seen it since. But that still doesn't mean that I'm going to be, like, looking for it in that house. Because I do not want to welcome that thing whatever it was into my family's life again and there was it very well may have been the um entity of whatever depression that I was going through as a teenager who who knows who's to say what it was but to see it every night it's definitely terrifying and I believe that that first time that I encountered the shadow figure in my room was definitely the first time or the opening if you will of seeing this shadow that would constantly stand in the doorway people who are and we're still on the fifth floor i'm sorry i had like i enjoy putting in my little tidbits of whatever paranormal experiences i've had in my lifetime because i'm about to be 31 i've got a lot i've got a lot of shit to tell People on the fifth floor, sorry, people on the fifth floor have definitely experienced their share of stuff. And I've said it quite a few times already. Waverly Hill Sanatorium is getting a renovation, restoration. The workers have had unexplained things happen to them. Now, something else that I can add in from my various knowledge of the paranormal world Spirits do not like when things are changed. Mm -mm. They don't like renovations. They can retaliate in their own little spooky ways. To say that there's unexplained activity happening around an area that there is restoration happening, it makes sense. But it's also on the fifth floor. Now, if these spirits are intelligent, they will move stuff. Things can get moved. Things can be thrown. And people have have actually had things thrown at them. People have been hit by unseen forces. The doors slam shut. And there are so many apparitions that supposedly show up just on the fifth floor alone. 
That's a lot. That is a lot of activity just on one area. So much so that basically the rest of the hospital can get swept under the rug because I haven't heard anything of any other spot in the hospital of, as, as having so much activity as the fifth floor in room 502. Like I said, the spirits do not like renovations. No. They will cause a ruckus. The spirits do not like when things are disturbed. And if something is lying dormant, restoration can sometimes cause it to react. And then you'll have an activity happening. And I've, I've seen quite a few episodes of Ghost Adventures and some other shows that that they were in the process of doing restorations or renovations to a building and they the spirits just act up. There's more paranormal activity or supernatural activity that happens when they're doing this because the change is just too much for the spirits. Or it riles up. It gets them riled up. Which is kind of crazy to think that these... And, and it leads me to think that these are actually intelligent spirits that they are dealing with. which. That's also cool. Intelligent spirits, they're pretty cool. They, they can call you by name. That's probably scary, but, you know, there are dark spirits, dark entities, demonic entities that, that they will know your name. They will call you by name. They can mimic the voice of whoever they want. I've learned that quite a few times. I haven't experienced it, and I certainly don't fucking want to. Just know that <laughs> they can mimic whatever person they want in your life because they can see into your life. Or at least that's what I believe. And one of the last highly haunted locations, hotspots in Waverly Hills Sanatorium is obviously the body shoot. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before. The body shoot has had thousands of the deceased just through their doors. So, of course, there's going to be some kind of residual haunting of it. There's always the sounds of footsteps. Even when there are no footsteps, there's always the sound of footsteps. That is very scary. When you're in a dark room and you are alone and you fucking know you're alone. So, that's it. Waverly Hills, one of the most haunted locations in the world. It's fascinating, truly. I think that Waverly Hills is definitely a must-see for any paranormal hobbyist. If you're an investigator, email me. Let me know. I want to know what you have experienced in Waverly Hills Sanatorium. There's also, you know, there's a lot of people, groups that have gone to Waverly Hills over the years, and... Everybody has a different experience, but everybody has one thing in common. The fifth floor. The creep factor of the body shoot. Which, <laughs> it would creep anybody out on a normal day. You know, don't be surprised if you get a chill listening to this. I want to say there one last thing about Waverly Hills. This is also from Ghost Adventures. There was, you can allegedly, supposedly, have a doppelganger there. And for those of you who don't know what a doppelganger is, basically a doppelganger is your lookalike. It is you. Yeah, that's right. You. So 
If you see your doppelganger, if you come face to face with your doppelganger, it's almost certain that your death will be coming quite soon. I don't know how. I don't know what your death will be, but it is rumored that when you see your doppelganger, you will die. And we don't want that. So if you go to Waverly Hills, don't go looking for yourself, please. <laughs> it, I, I don't recommend it. But if you have evidence and you have like any kind of experiences at Waverly Hills because you have gone there, I want to know. Let me know. I'm so excited to hear and see what people have experienced in Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Because there was so much talk about suicide on this particular episode, first of all, I want to apologize in advance because there's just some stories that you can't tell without that tragedy happening. And secondly, of course, as per my usual, I'm going to put the suicide and crisis hotline on the end of this podcast. So if you are feeling suicidal and you need somebody to talk to right away, call or text 988. They are open 24-7 and 365 days a year. They're ready to help you. And sometimes it just helps to talk to somebody that you don't know, even if it's just because you're feeling a certain way. I've called them before, and I am truly thankful to the person that I talked to that day. I truly am. I want people to know that there are places to go and there's there's so many people who want you to be on this world so please 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 call or text 988 if you are feeling suicidal or have suicidal ideations you can also find me on social media i have the actual official social media for the podcast instagram so it is paranormalartist.podcast or if you want to follow me personally my instagram handle is alex again with two underscores tiktok and youtube and patreon will all be paranormal artist podcast and you can follow me there and for just two dollars a month you can help this podcast become something much more than what it already is